Good morning. So today, it's Palm Sunday, and we're going to actually dig a bit deeper into that today, hopefully. So we're going to read together from Luke 19, from verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethage in Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had said, told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down from the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I don't know about you, but this moment in the Gospels stands out for me. Have you ever wondered what is the significance of them hailing Jesus as king? It was prophesied, as we know, in the Old Testament. But what was the father up to here? Why did everybody, all the crowds, need to call him king? Could he have achieved his journey to the cross without this moment? I mean, it was so quickly to happen, and then it was over in a flash. I think there's a few things happening here. God, for the first time, is establishing Jesus' reign publicly. So we've seen earlier in the Gospels that there are other moments where crowds are gathering around Jesus as he heals people. As things are happening, they gather around in amazement. But this is the first time that actually the crowds hail him as king. Here, God is affirming Jesus' kingship as part of his plan. Now, normally, kings would have ridden into Jerusalem on a war horse, but Jesus rides in on a donkey, and a donkey symbolized peace. So Jesus stands out as a different type of king from any other. God must have thought that that was a pretty important point to make. You see, the Pharisees, they were looking for a king, but not this kind of king. Not a king who was going to bring peace, but a king that would establish war. And you see, through the whole of the Old Testament, the way the kingdom advanced was through war. But here, we see the kingdom coming in peace. 
The second thing that I noticed about this was about the timing. We know that the disciples, it said that they laid their cloaks on the donkey, they laid their cloaks on the ground, and that the crowds also joined and put their cloaks on the ground and waved palm branches. But what's interesting here is that Jesus doesn't try to stop them doing this. And the reason that's interesting is because if you read in Luke 5, it talks about him healing a leper. And there he tells the leper to go, but not to tell anyone. In Luke 9, Peter calls Jesus the Messiah. But again, Jesus turns to him and the disciples and says, do not tell anyone. Yet here, they call him king. His disciples are there making a point of who he is, and he doesn't stop them. Now, why doesn't he stop them? I think that this is because his time of honor has arrived. It must have been because we know that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So the fact that he welcomed this must have meant that this was the perfect timing in the Father's will. It was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. It says, the second half says, See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I find those verses so interesting. It's righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. Those don't seem to go together to me. Righteous and victorious, yes, lowly and riding on a donkey. And there's something about God when he brings victory in his righteousness that it's about serving, it's about peace. So we know that this is also the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. And the crowds also hail him as king. Now, they weren't the people necessarily that were following him, but actually they join him with the disciples and they hail him as king. And this is an important event because at this moment, Jesus has the attention of the multitudes. All eyes are on him. The other thing that I noticed was that he was blessed. Often we can focus on the suffering of Jesus, on the miracles that he did, but it's also important to acknowledge that he had blessings in his life. He tasted affirmation here. He tasted glory. He was a successful tecton or builder, if you like. And as the first son in his family, after Joseph died, it would have been on him to provide for the whole of his family. And we believe that he's done this successfully. So Jesus had tasted blessing in his life. So here he is on this journey, entering Jerusalem as king. Could this journey of the cross been done without this bit? Probably, maybe, but it doesn't seem to be the Father's will that it was. This was an amazing moment when the disciples honored him. And we see that their enthusiasm has this ricochet effect on everybody around them. So here we see the Father's love through these different things We see his father's love through him, establishing him as king who brings peace. If we look at verse 38, it said, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That he is a blessed king. That he is coming, not in his own name, but in God's name. That he is bringing peace. And we see God's love through the timing of this. Like I said, whereas before Jesus stopped the disciples 
and they, he made them stay quiet about things now that there was permission for God to allow his disciples to shout about it. And it says in verse 37, the crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They were given permission to shout about what Jesus had done. And in fact, the Pharisees try to stop him, don't they? They say, rebuke your disciples. And he tells them, no, if they don't, the rocks will cry out. I find that such a powerful voice that God is wanting this affirmation in this moment and that if they don't, all of creation will get on board with crying out that this is the king because he is the king. But something really powerfully sticks out to me here because despite all this earthly glory in this moment where all of earth is pointing towards Jesus and hailing him as king, he still gladly gives it up for the Father's love. You see, Jesus knew his time was limited, but he didn't hold on to his life. As we find out later in the story, we know his journey is towards the cross. So what is the message in all of this for us this morning? Well, in the same way that Jesus knew not to cling into being established in the eyes of the world because he knew the Father had a better place, a better dwelling, a better future, a better plan for him that actually involved the cross. We too can see that in God's love, he gives us earthly pleasures at times. We enjoy good food. We can enjoy being with loving family and having treats and going on holidays. We enjoy opportunities. We sometimes have power He doesn't withhold it from us in fear that we may idolize these things. But these things, when they do become our focus, can distract us from where we put our focus. When we face earth instead of heaven. You see, Jesus didn't keep his eyes looking to earth. He knew that God had a better plan. As a family, in my family, we don't choose to not give each other's presents in case we may idolize those presents. And this could be a problem, especially with screens in our household. No, we have a choice. With everything we own, with all the giftings that we have, with every position we have, we have a choice with what place we give it in our life. You see, does all the gifts that you have, all the blessings that God bestows on you, do they come under Jesus' lordship? Or do you continue to hunger for earthly ambition or wealth? As we journey into Holy Week, we see that Jesus readily gave it all up in surrender. He didn't cling to this moment when earth called him king. And we know that that rapidly came to an end in the following few verses we read that he went into the temple and he turned over the tables when they were doing unrighteous acts in there. Now, that wasn't a very people-pleasing thing to do. He wasn't trying to keep their affirmation on him. He was more about doing the Father's will. And I find verse, I'm sorry, this whole chapter of Luke 19 really interesting in terms of seeing Jesus move from a spectrum of emotions. He, he's hailed as king one moment, 
And then the next moment, you see him weeping over Jerusalem and the state that it's going to think all the bad things that are going to happen to it. And then from that, he goes into the temple and in anger, he's turning over the tables and he's going from this like moment of like, wow, everyone's hailing me as king to depth of sorrow to righteous anger. I mean, that's quite a lot. I don't know about you, what you experience in a day, but normally for me, it's not quite that breadth of emotions. What are we clinging onto in life that feels good, but isn't what God wants us to cling onto? I sometimes find it hard to, I desire people's approval. And I can sometimes find it easier as an extrovert to spend time with people and be distracted by people around me rather than sometimes go into the quiet place and just be. I sometimes find it hard to give a word of challenge because it feels nicer to be liked than rejected. And sometimes I don't share the gospel at every opportunity or pray for everyone that's sick because I may be rejected. Maybe for you, you find it easier to pursue a relationship with your kids and your partner than you do with God. Maybe you spend more time working than seeking the precious face of God. Maybe your phones and tablets can be a permanent distraction from seeking his face. Maybe you love money and you pursue it rather than running towards your calling. I don't know what the things are for you. But maybe him being king of our lives means we need to learn with both glory and rejection, with both being honored and being despised at times, with both working prestigiously in positions and having unnoticed jobs, with being seen and being overlooked, having money or simply having faith just for today's bread, time with people, time in the solitary place with God, putting our devices away for a moment and being. Following in the way of Jesus is all these things, and we're not to make a God of any of them. You see, how do we embrace the Father's blessing without idolizing the blessing? I often say to my kids, you know, they tell me how great they are at things, and I'm like, that's brilliant. Remember that God gave you that. <laughs> Sometimes we forget that in, in, in the things that we're good at, that actually it's a God-given gift, that it's for his honor, his glory. God's gifts sometimes take the place of God. But he doesn't hold withhold good things from us. I want us to finish there today. And I want you to just have a moment to think about what are you clinging on to? Is it a relationship? Is it a, a job? Is there something, is it your time? Is there something in your life that's occupying more of your thoughts and passion than God? And as we think about Palm Sunday today, what I want us to do is just lay those things before him. Where is he not coming first? Because there is freedom in that. 
after Jesus walked through the horrible journey of the cross, there was freedom that was bought for all of us. It was worth a difficult journey. And so let's just spend a moment in quiet and just ask Holy Spirit. This isn't a moment to feel guilty. This is just to be aware of where we're broken and where we need God's help. And let's just ask God, what am I clinging on to that's not you? And then we're going to finish with a prayer together. In the Bible, it says that the elders in heaven cast their crowns before him. I love that imagery as something that I need to do is continually cast our crowns before him. I feel like we live in such an age where we're so easily distracted into everything else. And um, I've been feeling a bit of a challenge this week. Sometimes there's this temptation to, in moments of space, just pick up the phone and go on it. Just avoid space at all costs. You know, distract it. I've got space. Quick, fill it. But actually, just learning how to, in that space, embracing the space and just being. Being with him. And that's the discipline doesn't necessarily come easy. For some it might, for some it might not. So um, I'm going to put, Cliff, could we have the prayer up? Um, I want you to just read through the prayer before we say it together so that you know what you're saying and then we'll say it together if you agree with it. This is a prayer that I took from a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. I adapted the language a bit to make it something that we may understand more, but if you would like to say it with me, I just invite you to stand, and we will say this as just a response from our heart to God this morning. Father, I want to know you, but my coward heart fears to give up its toys. I cannot part from them without inward bleeding, and I do not try from you the terror of the parting. I come trembling, but do come. Please root from my heart all those things which I have cherished so long and which have become a very part of my living self, so that you may enter and dwell there without a rival. Then shall my heart have no need of the sun to shine on it, for you will be the light of it, and there shall be no night there. In Jesus' name.